Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Hey, Secrets of Success listeners, Deanna here. Thank you all so much for joining us. Well, today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. See, NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Now, how many of you can use some additional information so you can make smarter decisions with your money? It's okay. I'll be the first to raise my hand. Because the nerds have helped me get smarter about things like saving on travel. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night, maybe a a small shopping spree or a fancy dinner or two. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Also, boosting my credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code, seriously, like a real-life cheat code, and then saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It just loves a good plot twist. So listen to Merit Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Secret to Success podcast. I'm so excited to have each of you today. Today, we have a special guest, Mr. Bill Perkins. I have seen a lot about you. I've done my research, but before I say anything or start asking questions, I would like to ask you to tell our audience all about you. All about me. I, well, I'll give you the shortest version I can. Um, <laughs> I was born in Jersey City, New Jersey. Okay. I went to school at the University of Iowa, uh, played football at the University of Iowa, was mainly on the bench, um, had a degree in, um, graduated actually after leaving college, but I, got, I have a degree in uh, electrical engineering. And I went east to serendipitously start my career in commodities, working on the New York Mercantile Exchange. Um, from there to Houston, got married in Houston, had kids, got successful in my field. Um, I have one stepson and two daughters. Um, and I generally hate onions. I, I don't know. What else can I tell you? <laughs> I hate onions. <laughs> you know, um, and you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm 51 now. I'm getting up there and um, I'm, I'm pretty blessed. I've had a pretty good ride. Awesome. Thank you very much for introducing yourself to us. <laughs> so my first question is what um, brought you from Jersey to, from Jersey to Texas? What, what had made that shift happen? So at the time I was a broker and I really wanted to be a trader. And during the period of deregulation, when um, energy firms in Houston were looking for expertise in derivatives, options trading, basically what I had been learning in New York, there was this like huge sucking sound, <laughs> you know what I mean? Of Houston sucking professionals down from, from the East Coast. And, you know, originally I was like, I will never move South in the Mason Dixon line. You know, I had all the stereotypes of, of, of South, right? Um, but I was at a point in my life where I was willing to take any risk um, possible that I could possibly stand in order to um, pursue my dreams of being a trader. Okay. So now that you've been down here in Houston, you have done quite a bit from being a best-selling author. Um, well, not yet. Okay. Not best-selling yet. <laughs> we get ahead of ourselves, but you know, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> So from being from authoring your book to your poker to your business, how how is everything going today? How has success been for you as far as today? Um, how's everything going today? I think um, you know most of my career, I was so focused on a number, like a metric, a number of success was a number, right? That I was striving to, and um, you know. Doubt about that, you know, had been with me throughout my life in, in various forms. And so, you know, what, what's, what's the point of the money? What am I going to use it for? You know, I had like these cartoon type ideas of what a rich guy would do. So I would do these like what I thought rich guys should do. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't me. Like, you know, like, and so, you know, the, the, the best thing about, um, success and how I measure success is like the ability to like have an impact and move about the world and have choices. And most of the impact is, you know, internally people always put up family and I'm no different, like with my family and provide and be, you know, that insurer of last resort to them, you know, that, that security and stability, which we all, 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 all search for, but then also, um, 
um, options and freedom. And, and one of the things I had trouble with is once I had those options and freedoms, I didn't really think about, or I was disconnected from my younger self about what, it, what I really wanted. You know, I was so caught up on the mechanism to get to this number without, you know, I kind of left by like, why am I doing this in the first place? So, but now uh, um, I'm much more in touch. I take a time to pause and get off autopilot and think about what does success mean for me and how, how do I want to, I don't want to spend the limited resource that we have called time. Yes, time is definitely <laughs> limited. And from what you just said, it actually brought up two questions for me. My first question for you is, as, a, as an entrepreneur and a, and a family man, how did you, how were you as a father and a businessman able to not necessarily balance, but incorporate the both to have a... Um, a wonderful environment for both you and your family as an entrepreneur and a father. Well, let, let, let me first say that I'm pretty sure I got it wrong a lot of the time, <laughs> right? Like, so I don't want to come off like, hey, I got it right. And I just rode that bike straight, no wobbles. No, that, that didn't happen. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, when you're building, right, you have this goal and you think if, even though I'm sacrificing time here, 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 and you're trying to balance out your day, like do I spend an extra hour working on this project or thing or, or trade, or do I spend time and play Barbies with my kids or whatever it is, you know? And, and you're thinking, well, you know, entrepreneurs so driven, so focused, and sometimes on autopilot are thinking, this is better for my kids overall. This will make their, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm providing for the family. I'm providing for their future lifestyle, et cetera. But sometimes you get that dead wrong. And, the, and, the, and there's more value in just spending time with your kids playing Barbies than, than the project, right? And, and I, 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 I talk about that in detail, um, but, you know, you just keep going. The, the way to not fall down when you get out of balance on a bike is you have to keep pedaling, right? So you might have got it wrong. You might have wobbled. You might have completely, but you just keep pedaling and you won't, you won't, you know, you'll, you're able to keep your balance. And so I've revised and, you know, I, I, I generally think I can never get it perfect, but I'm always trying to, you know, get it right. First, happy late Father's Day to you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and thank you for your transparency as well. Um, when we have interviews with, when I interview the ladies, I always ask them, well, how did you balance this and this? But I've never actually asked the father, uh, the fatherpreneur, yeah. or, but your pers perspective of, because as um, Antonio is he's very driven and I I see him do everything that he does but I've never just actually sat down and, and was like Antonio how do you do all this and so thank yeah. you very much for your transparency and, and I hope you what you just shared with us helped other fatherpreneurs as well because yeah you guys don't get the the props you deserve at times because you you as providers fathers you guys do a lot. So thank you very much for your, oh, for thanks, your thanks for saying that. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it never, it's just a pursuit, right? You never get there. Right. Like, so, but <laughs> look, I'm, I'm new in it. And I'm still like, okay, what yeah. do I do now? Cause mine is five. So it, it's oh, yeah. still, thank you. Thank you very much. 
there was something else that you said as well you said um towards the end you were like you know sometimes when i pause how how has pausing played a role in your success today as a father as an entrepreneur author film producer poker player how has pausing affected your life i think when I, when i take a pause you know a lot of times you 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 like get it, got it, go. And you just go on autopilot, right? I go to work, I check in, I do whatever, I do the thing, I drive home or whatever. And on, on different areas of life, we tend to go on autopilot without correcting course, right? And so we may go too far down that path or we may uh, get off course a little bit because you know our goals should be changing or the times are changing, et cetera. And taking a pause is kind of like, let me take stock of what's going on, what's working, what's not working. Let me get off autopilot and kind of like really figure out, you know, what I need to be doing. What do I really want to be doing? You know what I mean? What do people around me, my loved ones want me to be doing, et cetera? What do they need? And, and, and are they aligned with my priorities? And it's very, very easy to, um, for me, and I, I think other people to get stuck in like autopilot, not check in and have basically your, your actions um, really diverge from your priorities or your goals, right? Because they were set so long ago, right? And, and, and set in motion and they were, they were right at the time, but as time goes on, they, they, they may not work or may not fit or maybe calibrated incorrectly. And now you're like, oh, wow, where did all this time go? I could have spent time with my kid. Now they don't want to spend time with me because they're teenagers or, 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 you know, that type of thing. Right. Or what was I doing working so much on this project when my industry was heading this way? You know what I mean? And I didn't really stop to like reassess what was going on. And so that pause is, is kind of um, like a mirror. Everybody has a mirror in the house, right? They all need feedback, but it's a more personal introspective mirror of you holding back about what you're doing what's going on and so you can correct. So in times in my life when either I had the involuntary pause, which happens, right? Like sometimes, you know, you're on pot so long and life will just, you know, slap you and pause for you, right? And you prefer, you know, my dad used to say, you know, some people learn the easy way, some people learn the hard way and some people never learn. I'm a hard way learner. You know what I mean? Life has to slap me a couple times, you know, but it's better than never learning at all. You know, the easy way is to learn from other people's mistakes, do the processes you read in books, you know, those type of things. Occasionally I do it the easy way, but um, those, those pauses have been, um, whether involuntary or voluntary, they, they have been great. Awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate, I really do appreciate your transparency. <laughs> I was, I, I, when you said what you said about what your dad said, I said, I was like, oh, yeah. I was, my dad, my dad was always the one. He said, why do you always have to learn the hard way? Yeah. So why are you my kid that has to learn the hard way? And I just look at him like, we're hard way learners. <laughs> we're experiential hard way learners. We need to touch the hot stove in every department. <laughs> every, like, oh, okay, that's not, don't do that anymore. And you just saw somebody touch it. <laughs> yeah, we could have learned from that guy's burnt finger, but like, no, we got to burn our fingers ourselves. Like, it's not going to burn mine. It burned his because he didn't do it right. That's why right. I burned his. He didn't do it right. <laughs> that's us, right? But <laughs> And then, and, but I'm now... I'm now in my late 30s learning 
how to pause and look at someone else's mistake and be like, okay, don't do that. Got yeah. it. Let me go over here. <laughs> but yeah. it, it took a moment to get there. It really did. <laughs> yeah. So my my next question, my next question is how how did you shift from trader broker to film producer? Where did that come in? Well, it wasn't it wasn't like a a sh it wasn't a shift per se. It was kind of like you know earlier on in my like what do you want to do, right? Just kind of like how you saw the world, right? This is now this is like a young 17, 18, 19 year old, how they see the world. So you can discount it as much as you like, right? But but my idea was essentially that, you know, as capital is a lifeblood of business, the business of movies, it's the same. The businesses of almost everything, having capital, having money is the lifeblood, right? And that if you had the capital, you can go into any field, right? If you have enough money, you want to start a hospital, start a hospital. You have enough money, you want to build a rocket company, start SpaceX. You know what I mean? Like, if you have the capital or have the ability to raise the capital, right, you'll be able to go into any field you want to, right? And so instead of taking the route of, I'm going to go to... Stress, sleep, recovery, whether we're in the gym or at work, these things shape how we perform. I know I have a combination of both stress and sleep. When you're running a multi-million dollar company as the COO, your stress levels are high and your sleep is pretty minimal. You lay down at night, but you have work on your mind and it's going and going and going and you can't quite get to sleep. And then once you get that comfortable position and you doze off, your alarm clock goes off and it's time to wake up. And then I wake up exhausted because I really didn't sleep. I wake up not ready for the day. My alert level is extremely low and it's really hard to have a productive day when you're in that type of physical condition. One thing I've added to my daily routine and it's helped to make a noticeable difference for me is new calm. See, when I first got my new calm and I went in and I set it up, it was an easy process. Uh, uploading the app, getting everything together was so easy to do. And then when I used it that first night, I noticed that I actually got a little more sleep than I normally got. My mind was a little calmer than normal. When I woke up the next day, I, was, I had more alertness than I had in a while. And I was excited and I was ready for the day. And I had a very productive day because I was able to focus. And now I have more alertness. I'm not falling asleep during training because I slept at night, my nights have been extremely wonderful my mind is calm so my body is able to rest because my mind isn't going and it's really helped me because i know at night i need to go to sleep in enough time so i can put on my new calm and i can uh, have enough time to rest and then wake up alert and ready to go in the morning and i wake up earlier now than i used to before new calm see it's imperative to your health and happiness to be able to manage stress and not be managed by it and new calm gives you the power and control to relax and recharge anywhere, anytime. You can own the day with a new calm. The whole process is easy to use and to work into your daily routine to achieve better sleep, reduction in stress, and boost in recovery. So do what I did. Own the day with new calm. 
We have a special link set up specifically for our Secret to Success listeners. Go to successnewcalm.com and get 50% off your 30-day subscription of New Calm and their money-back guarantee. That's successnucalm.com. Successnewcalm.com. LA, I'm gonna hustle, I'm gonna go to film school, you know, I'm gonna do this and whatever. I'm just like, nah, I'm gonna make a bunch of money. I'm the guy financing the movie, I'm in the movie business, you know, that kind of that kind of mentality, you know, with everything. And so I felt like if if I could go into a field that leveraged my time, then later on I'd be able to spend my time the way I wanted to. Right. And so um I I went into to finance commodities, not because it was like, this is the coolest job ever and I want to do it, but it was a means to an end, right? And so um, movies were something that always kind of fascinated me, the creative process, making movies, et cetera. And so one of those things when I was like, oh, I'm a rich guy, rich guy should make movies, let's make a movie. And so I guess kind of got into it, this is very expensive business hobby <laughs> thing uh um you know it's 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 a brutal brutal business but you know you get a lot of value out of creating something that wasn't there even when it's a bad product in the end like even if it's like oh that movie is terrible but you still have to make a bad movie and a great movie it's the same amount of work mm. right and the same process writing production filming editing cutting down, marketing, et cetera, whether it's financially successful or not, you're going to go through the steps and you're going to learn a lot. So I really, really enjoyed it, but it was something that if you said, oh, how did you transition from trading to movies? It's like, well, trading was just like, how do I get money? You know what I mean? And then how do I do all these other things? So it really wasn't a transition. It was kind of like, um, now that I had enough money to like, okay, I can risk this amount of capital in a movie project, I started doing that. I started pursuing, pursuing the things that I, I loved or, or, or just trying to discover it. Cause I didn't know if I was going to like it or not, you, know, you do it. And then you're like, it's a love hate thing. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, a, it's really, it's a lot of fun. It's creative, et cetera. And it's also brutal, you know? So, and I went back for more punishment like nine times. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh man, I you said something. You said you mentioned the word freedom, and one of the things that Antonio has always taught us is, "What is your why? Is your why strong enough?" And I just recently realized that my why is the freedom to be able to do whatever I want, when I want, how I want it. What has been your why this entire time? Like from the childhood to today, what has been your why that has just kept you driven? And has it, has it shifted any throughout the years? Yeah, it definitely has shifted. Um, um, I, I think the why is the same as freedom, uh, optionality. You know, the, there's, you grow up, you, you go to the movies. I'm a kid of the 80s. You know, you see 
the quote unquote rich guy, right? And it, it was never like a black guy like me, right? It was a white guy who looked like he could be the president and talk like this. You know what I mean? Like, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we'll go to the Hamptons. Huh? You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, like a Thurston Howard III from Gilligan's Island, if you if older people might remember that. Um, but, it, and, and when Wall Street came out, you know, it, it depicted these cool events and places to go and travel out worry and clothes and cars and girls, of course, right? Like nothing, okay a guy going into an industry more than if there's girls, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, <laughs> so you know, that, that, that kind of idea of like, wow, this is a great, wonderful planet and you can maneuver and walk about it if you're, you know, much easier, much more easily and, and have more experiences um, if, if, you, if you're very successful financially, that really appealed to me. You know, that, that, that level of freedom of traveling and meeting and solving problems. It's not, all, it's not only just completely hedonistic things. I mean, there's also value in doing charity makes you feel good. But like, you know, there's a starving village over here. You can solve that. You know what I mean? If that means something to you. If you, you people, you, you know, bail reform and there's people locked up. You want to bail them out? You can bail them out. Like that type of thing that you can solve some of the world's problems. Like, so convert your talent in one field into a talent in another, right? Via the transitive property of money, right? Like you just buy the expertise of other people to solve it, right? And so that whole concept um, really resonated with me, right? That idea, that type of freedom and that, that ability to make an impact. Awesome. That is, that, Antonio always says that success, prosperity, has its own language and the entire time you're speaking I'm like yep Antonio's right <laughs> because I, I hear you talking you were talking about the freedom but also the freedom to help others the freedom to be able to go over here but also the freedom to say oh there's a village over here in need let me go help so with that being said how important has the service of others been to your success I think you know the way I define success, it, 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 I wouldn't be successful if it wasn't a part, right? Like by my definition, right? I, I don't, um, you know, this ride called life that we go on, like, you know, that's that question of balance, like all the crazy stuff you want to go, your glow sticks in the club, you're traveling, you're hiking in Mount Kilimanjaro or Everest. You know, th those, are all, those are all great, wonderful experiences and, and shared experiences you want to have with your friends and close loved ones. But, you know, I, I would like to make the world just a micro bit better than when I was here, or at, le at least not leave it worse, right? Hopefully, <laughs> right? Uh, and so um, I think, you know, when we look historically at successful figures, we don't really celebrate the richest man 23,000 years ago, right? We, we celebrate people that have massive impact on, on society or culture in, in, in a positive way. And so I think if you look at your life from a historical lens, um, zeros in a bank account will never, you know what I mean? It'd be like kind of like, I mean, he was a successful banker, but not like a successful human. And I want to be a successful human. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and that 
that actually brings me to your book because I I look I looked at your book I read a, a lot about what it was like and um and within your book I have a feeling that you you are going to accomplish what you're setting out to accomplish so can you let us know about your book and what sparked you to write it well, uh, I'll take the last question first. Um, you know, I've, I've had these concepts and ideas in my head that I've been debating and talking about with friends over the years. And when I do, they all, I generally get a feedback like, that conversation changed my life. That conversation helped me do X. I'm getting more, better, faster, whatever, because of this conversation. You changed my perspective. And that was very fulfilling to me. And I, I, you know, the concepts that, that I talk in a book, I quite literally believe that I'm saving people's life, right? Because, and so for me, authoring the book was like, hey, this is a way to get a message out that people will be able to save their own lives, their own precious resource, the life energy they have, and use it more wisely and get the most out of their life. And I, I don't tell you how to live in this book. I tell you, based on what you want out of life, how to get the most of it, right? In, in a process and how to think about it so that the book's called Die With Zero so that you die with zero regrets, hmm. right? And, and, and it, um, one of those tools is you basically use your money wisely so that you wind up with zero money when you die, but it's really about dying with zero regret, regrets. And so I wanted to help people achieve that well thank you thank you very much um i believe it was mr les brown who said the richest place on earth is the graveyard because nobody dies nobody dies with zero they die with their dreams in them their goals in them and so thank you thank you because it, not everybody has the strength or personal self-belief to believe that they can do whatever it is they put their mind to and and that's something that I wanted to mention earlier because you were saying how when you were a kid you thought this you thought that and you were like I I feel like you still have the mindset of a child in regards to whatever you can imagine it's like you know what I think I'm gonna do that <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes it's like oh why did I choose this <laughs> <laughs> Why did I choose this path? Like, what was wrong? What was I thinking? Um, but yeah, I, I generally do believe that it, it's a, it's a matter of um, are you willing to are you willing do you want it bad enough? Are you willing to pay the cost and the sacrifices and and reorient your life to accomplish them? You know, but yeah, I do believe that. I, and as a matter of fact, I think a lot of my um, you know I tell people. Why do you think you were successful? I said, aside from like being right place, right time type luck uh, that comes along and creating your own luck, it's I had the delusional belief that I could. Hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, you were delusional. I'm like, you need that delusional belief to keep you going. If you, that, that is like, you know, I, I'm not one of these like, you know, the, the secret and whatever and, and, and X, Y, and Z and karma, but. I, there is so much power in believing that you can do it because you will, if it's a Rubik's cube, you know what I mean? You will try every combination until you get it done. You know what I mean? Like, 
that's and that's what you need. Like I could solve this Rubik's cube, right? <laughs> because it's solvable. And then you know there are certain things that are impossible that we don't know they're impossible to try, but you need to go through, get through it, and 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 fail, and then come back and do something else. You know, I, I've had the. You know, failures are a great thing. <laughs> it's a great teacher, you know? It's like a, it's a great teacher and you don't like it, but it's like, you know, if, if you come from, we start to realize, I think later on, it, it's the journey. The destination from a physical standpoint, I don't want to insult anybody religious, right? Like the, the destination sucks, right? It's the grave. It's tight in there. You can't move. They kind of sew your lips shut. You're all rotten. It, it's just a. It's just not the. De it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And so, you know, you kind of want this massive attempts, big misses, great successes. You know, loop the loops. Oh my gosh, I thought I was going to do this, but now I'm doing that. Here I am, type of ride of life. And so, I'm um, I'm quite okay with failures, even though they hurt. They're supposed to, um, and I'm more focused on the attempts and deciding what I want to do, what big things do I want, or what small things do I want, and and, and enjoying the ride. All right. Thank you very much. I, I'm so happy that you discussed the journey aspect of life because it took me a very long time to understand that um, going through coaching with Antonio and, and getting to where I am today, it took me to understand, stop. He, he always tells us, once you get to the starting line, you've already finished. It's what you do in between the start and the finish that gets you to where you need to go. And it's the, either you're going to stay on track, you're going, you are going to go off, there's going to be potholes, you're going to have your ups and downs, you're going to have your peaks and your valleys, but if you just keep moving, you know, and the journey is the best part of the entire trip. Oh, yeah. Learn I mean, from it. I, I, amen. Yeah, I mean, trophies are anticlimactic. Often. Mm -hmm. Often they're anticlimactic. Like, when you have a football season and you win the trophy, at the end, that ceremony is 20, 30 minutes. You spend hundreds of hours in the gym, practice, hanging out with friends, playing games, nail biters, or whatever. That whole process, you need to enjoy because if it's just for the trophy at the end, it's not worth it. I, I can tell you that right now. It is not worth it, right? You have to relish and enjoy the journey, be present, you know, the whole, the whole thing, the whole development of whatever project it is, whether it's you're getting in shape and you're playing on a football team or you're building a business, et cetera. It's, it's, that is, that's the juice, right? The, the check at the end is kind of like, yeah, you know, you've been working so hard. And I, I discussed this in the book. This is what the book is about, is that you've been so busy building. By the time you get the check, you're like, I don't even know what to do with this money. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're, <laughs> you're out of touch with what you wanted in the beginning, you know? Right. I, I think in, that's one of the things that I've learned the most. Like in, in elementary school, I went to be a veterinarian. There's no way that you could tell me that I was not going to grow up, have my own farm with my pigs, my heart, my horses, <laughs> my cows, my dogs. There is no way. And then as I got older...
I am determined to be rich. The middle class is not for me. I need news that cares about me. And not news that's going to scare me or make me mad at another people. I need news without politics. And I want news that will point me to the money. This is the news where it happens. The moments that change the world. These are the stories we need. The info that we care about. We only give you news that puts money in your pocket. And the news that gives us an advantage. This is the work that continues. Who we are today. And what we can become. Tomorrow. That's it. This is where news without agendas can lead us. Your wealth matters. This is why more perspectives make us stronger. And how our mission can inspire tomorrow. This is journalism that helps the world we live in. This is Mexit News. Over the journey from junior high, from elementary to high school, it's like, yeah, I don't even know what I want to do anymore. And then from high school to sales attempts in college to marriage, kids, and today it was like, I just finally was like, okay, when are you actually going to just do what you want to do? Like, are you going to live your life with regret? Are you just going, are you going to go for it and be like, you know what? It didn't work out, but I'm glad I I, I at least went that route. You know, it's the journey is crazy. And I, I, I admire and appreciate those like you and Antonio and others that I've spoken with who have actually been like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. (laughs) I'm not going to, to let the model stop me from just doing whatever I want to do. So I, I pre again, I appreciate your transparency with us today. And, and I appreciate you and Antonio and everyone else who have literally just shown us, Hey, just do it. <laughs> You're yeah. Good. Yeah. We, we yeah. don't celebrate the failures and the attempts enough in, in society. Right. Like, and so I, I love those t- attempts. Like people like, Oh, it didn't work out. I'm like, I, I don't care to tell them that's whatever. You know, there's all kinds of things that could, you could have done something wrong. Outside circumstances could have went wrong, whatever. The, tell me about this attempt. Tell me about this glorious thing that went wrong. You know what I mean? And so, you know, and I, I've had people have glorious attempts, and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm really envious of your experience. Some of the experiences that I've been most envious of were colossal failures. like they were colossal like it was like you know what i mean you know in part internal things or or, or external but it was like wow you attempted to do this and you got all that and you whatever and the thing and oh wow oh man that went horribly wrong you know and those are the i'm like i'm really envious of your experience you know yeah because it's that it's just the it's that adventure. They win it. They tried it. They learned. They whatever. They learn when to work. Maybe they, their interests have changed over time. They don't want to go back and attempt it. But like that is like, I don't know. I, we're at this dinner and you got some interesting to say, and I ain't got shit to say because <laughs> this is way more interesting a life than the thing I can talk about, right? Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and I, I, I wish I had that story. I, I can feel it, you know. So. Def- definitely i'm i'm sitting here antonio has this reading books about how instagram got started how netflix got started i'm listening to them tell their story i'm like that was even though that was like you said even though that was a drastic fail on that part but the experience that you that you had with that is 
absolutely amazing. And when you think about the experiences, it's like, wow, like you said, the journey, instead of us always looking at, man, the shoulda, coulda, woulda, what about the experiences that you've had that got you to where you are? Yeah. I mean, those, those things that link that causality, those experiences build where you are. But it's also like, if you look at kind of like what I discussed in the book, um, about your life and the arc of your life. And like, really you're in the business of the acquisition of memories, experiences, right? Like how you think of yourself today is part of what's going on right now, but a large part of what has happened in the past of your life. Like the narrative of who you are, how you define yourself or the things you did and didn't do and the things that happened to you and that um, is how you define yourself. Basically your memories. If I wipe your memory clean, we start fresh, but you have like, your intelligence, at least, like of, of things, you're a totally different person, totally different reactions, totally different perspective, totally different. And so that those those experiences are what life is all about, right? And, and when, when you talk about them, like the experiences of your failures and your successes, you don't get to live them once. You get to live them twice, three, four, five, ten times because they bring enjoyment when you talk about them. You know what I mean? When you, when you had your kid, his first home run, when you did X, when you told the joke and milk came out your nose and they were laughing, you know. <laughs> like when you gather with your friends, I asked an informal poll. I said, what percentage of the time is spent discussing um, future events or current things or things that happened in the past between either you or your friends? And 75, I think the majority was basically it's 75, 25 past events followed by 50-50 equal, right? So if, you know, when you, when you retire, you don't really retire in money, you retire in your memories. Anybody who's visiting old parents, like, remember that time and blah, blah, blah. It's discussions of the past that keep them alive, that they get to enjoy once again through what I call the memory dividend of recalling um, those experiences that they invested in. And so that memory dividend is like an interest payment, right? from that investment that you made on these experiences. And so, you know, and that, that, that can even happen with bad experiences, right? Like you, you went, you tried this thing and blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, five years later, you're joking about it and like, man, I horribly did wrong. I got the accounting all wrong. The thing, whatever, the bank was co calling me, collecting on me, <laughs> thought I bounced the check, I almost went to jail. And then you're telling the story, everybody's cracking up, laughing at this, whatever failure you had. And it is like, part of your resume, it's like you're glad you went through it. And not only that, you're getting years and years and years of enjoyment out of that experience through reliving and retelling it. And it becomes radioactive too, because you tell it to somebody, they get value out of it, they might tell it, you know what I mean? Everybody, now you're creating a new experience of this great dinner conversation or great lunch conversation or whatever going on. And so I'm very big on Experience and experience is a, is a wide term. It can mean anything. It could be charitable giving. It could be like, hey, I volunteered for the Peace Corps and I built wells in, you know, Zambia or wherever, right? It, it, it's, it's very broad, but the, the experiences you want to have is kind of like getting off autopilot, deciding what they are, and just going for it. Mm -hmm. And realizing that by investing, in the, investing hard in those experiences that you choose to have, you will get dividends. So, in discussion of experiences, what has been the greatest experience for you? Oh, I mean, 
it's it, it's always like the birth of my 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 first daughter. It's just kind of like overwhelming thing, you know. Um, but I know everybody was like, ah, come on, don't give me the parent answer. Like we've we've heard that a thousand times. Tell me something outside of that. I think um, the experience, you know, when I first went on the floor and decided to move to Houston, I, I think like that kind of period of where I was like really adamant of moving to Texas. Like I had all the stereotypes of like, they don't lynch me or whatever. You know what I mean? Like cowboy, Mason Dixon line, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Houston, like why the hell? And from New York City, like why the hell would you ever go? You know that type of thing. And I just packed up, got an opportunity, and was out the door. Like didn't know a soul here. Moved here, you know, created uh, new relationships and friendships. Um, that that to the totality of that experience of like I am going for it. Right, that rate of change and that rate of like risk and that exhilaration. I, I think that was, um, it was like the one of the best experiences of, of, of my life, you know, that, that, that time period, you know, that I can accomplishment and then, you know, losing money, getting fired, getting broke, getting unbroke, you know, that, that whole roller coaster of, of, of success and failure, but trying and that upward trajectory was a really really great experience which you know when I get together with my friends and they talk about oh yeah remember you had to sleep on the train because you couldn't afford you know the train fare and you don't want to hop the stove you know like those it's quasi suck actually it didn't quasi suck it sucked at the time <laughs> but I had purpose and I was driven and whatever and now it's like one of the better stories right like the, I have all these stories of making it doing well screwing up royally, you know what I mean? <laughs> Getting smashed down, making mistakes, coming back, you know, the, the whole the whole juice of life. And so, I, you know, that that ride is is was a great experience. Awesome. So you started off by saying the greatest experience was the birth of your daughter. What your first daughter, what what is the one thing that you want to leave for your children? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I, I, I always say that my job is to prepare them to navigate the world, so them to be strong, confident, independent thinking women with compassion, right? Um, that they can navigate the world. And then it's like, doesn't matter what I think. It's like, F you, dad, you lived your life. I'm going to live mine. That's kind of the way I want it to be for them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, because a lot of, a lot of parents are like, I want my daughter to be the doctor or the thing and whatever. I have that too. Right. But if I can leave them with that, right. That, that sense of compassion and forgiveness, uh, integrity, the ability to navigate their world, the ability to adapt. Right. Then I feel like I have left them with all they need and now it's like okay what do they want what, what are the things they want to do let them go on their own adventure right and so I, I would want to leave them with the tools to have their own great adventure awesome yay i i thank you thank you because like you said most parents i want you to do this but i want you to do that but it, it's it's good to hear a parent say, well, I just want to make sure that you got what you need to navigate 
I'm if you decide not to go this route, I'm okay with that. Just yeah. as long as you <laughs> as long as it's them making the decision, you know, they're not being swayed by circumstances, but they're they're off autopilot and they they're making the decisions, then you know, it's their life. You know what I mean? If they, they get one and, and I want them to to adapt and live it, you know, navigate the world on their on their on their own on their own will, you know, on of their will, not of mine. Right? I'm not trying to control them from the grave or from whatever. I mean, I can try and they think I'm over controlling now, overprotective now, but eventually I have to like let go. And then they're like, please, dad, I'm going to go do this. I'm like, no, God, you know? I mean, your whole life, like uh, when, when I first had kids, right? And, and we get the babysitter over, I said, listen, your job is to keep them from killing themselves. I'm not worried about like people intruders. I mean, yeah, there's intruders or whatever, but like honestly, you know, the, the socket, the eye, you know, your whole life is just a lifetime of worry. Like, don't eat that, don't whatever, blah, you, you know what I mean? Trying to, then you get to a point where, okay, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to kill themselves with the electric socket or whatever, and you know, they're going to buckle, they're going to get snatched, you know, snatched, and they have street smarts, and, you know, you're, you're just constantly, it's just a lifetime of worry, right? You, you worry in the womb, whether they have 10 fingers and 10 toes, outside the womb, you start worrying about everything, you know? The first fever, every parent goes bananas. The doctors are like, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> They're in an emergency room. They got 103 fever. They're like, we please just go home and give them some grape juice. Get the hell out of here. It's so true, right? And so you get you get this programming that you know, you're just in this role, right? This autopilot role of dad protector thing and you got to crack that you know you got to step back and be like okay what is there i really want for their lives what do i want them to be able to do and you know step back and be like okay eventually it's their adventure you know what i mean you're out of it and they and they have to be have the freedom to take risk even deadly risks that they want to take you know it's like they get to choose their own risk reward you know and so that's that's what i'm trying to that's what i want to leave them with that ability to do that <laughs> Way to go, Dad. <laughs> no, seriously, because I'm a daddy's girl, and, and I know, I only know what he tells me, but I also know what he doesn't tell me. I know he worries. I know, you know, even though I'm grown, I, I know he still, so it, it's, it's, it's cool to hear from another dad's perspective in regards to his daughter. So thank you yet again yeah. for your transparency. Yeah. <laughs> So my next question is, what got you into poker? Was it something that you decided to do as a hobby, or was it? Were you sitting there one day, you're like, you know what, I'm really good at this? <laughs> no, no, I'm actually really, I'm not good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the world is much better. I'm, I'm okay. But uh, I, I think it's, you know, the, the, I think I naturally have a risk-taking gene um, in there. I was, a, I was attracted to risk. That's why I got into trading and and and. Um, you know, risk for me, you know, a lot of times when I'm coaching my friends or taking them, it's like, I, I generally seem to be pushing them into a riskier thing. Like, like, hey, it's not as risky as you think. And actually, you know, traders particularly think of opportunity risk, so opportunity costs, more so than the risk of ruin or loss. So we have like this FOMO, right? Like, what do you mean? I can't afford not to do this. Do you realize how much potential is here, right? 
I lose, it's this much. If I win, it's that much, right? So we're always thinking of, of the opportunity and potential. Um, and so um, I, I, poker is just another game of very similar to trading and risk and opportunity. And, you know, I, I think I'm a little bit of a degenerate. I like, you know what I mean? Like I like to get lucky. So, so uh, the, 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 I, I got introduced to it because traders are generally, you know, they like to play pokers and relax playing all kinds of the games of math and skill and stuff like that. And that's how I first got into it. And then I, I just kind of like the social aspect of it. It's um, similar to golf, except that you're actually more social because you're sitting at a table for hours with um, up to up to eight other individuals, nine including the dealer and 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 the host. And you, you're having you know very interesting. You're meeting very interesting characters and having very interesting conversations. You know, so that's kind of what got me into it. Okay. I've always been curious about poker, but never really just stepped into it. But I think I'm gonna stick with my slot machines for right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a straight gambling. <laughs> straight addiction. Bearable <laughs> <laughs> reward at its finest. No. <laughs> so, Mr. Perkins, before we end today's call, I have one question. You've been you've been speaking, and I hope that our listeners have been actively listening to what you've been saying the whole time but what do you believe has truly been your secret to your success oh wow um i'm gonna go back to i'm gonna always normalize for look i was you know when people point me out like as an african-american it's like you're successful you just worked hard you got there why can't these other people do blah 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 right and i'm like whoa 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 I am the poster child of somebody who should have made it. I was born post-civil rights to two, my, both my parents eventually got their college degrees, okay? I was in the East Coast, which is multicultural, in a growing economy, right? So that means I got introduced to many people. My dad was able to put me in better schools. If anybody was gonna make it, it was me. I was very, very lucky, you know? Um, that being said, so in the distribution, you know, I'm one of the guys who fall over here. Okay. That being said, there are other people like me that didn't do it. And I think my father and my family, particularly my dad and his example of his life, um, with astronomically worse scenario to get to where he was, he was a, a, a defense attorney. Um, um, that delusional belief that it can be done because if 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 you nap if you ratchet that down just one bit i don't even attempt half the crap that i that i've done right and so like you're looking at the successes right but like let, let's you know i've been fired twice okay <laughs> once by my best friend <laughs> wow. <laughs> One of my best friends, right? And then he rehired me. You know what I mean? I, I've had my, you know, uh, and each time I was hurt or, you know, worried, but I was undaunted. You know what I mean? I was a little worried, but I was undaunted. I was like, let's keep going. It was like I got my ass knocked down on a football field and got back up and like, this is the, this is the game, right? And so um, that belief, and that tenacity and that 
delusional, you know, that just grand delusion that I can do something big is, is, is the big secret. You know, if, if, you know, we often say like, listen, don't step in the ring. If you don't like getting punched, every boxer gets punched. Most every boxer gets knocked down, may not get knocked out, but at least gets knocked down. Okay. And so, you know, that's part of the game. You're going to get punched. You're going to get, you're going to get hurt. You know, you're going to get a rib shot. You'd be like, why am I doing this? (laughs) (laughs) Ding, Get back in there. (laughs) And so, uh, that 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 I think has been the the secret because there, I can think I can point to many times where um, things you, you, it could I could have went the more safe or easy path or you know let me just get a safe government job here or let me do X Y and Z let me let me take the cushy place and I, I always had the belief like I'd rather be scuffed up broke on the streets than go the safe route. You know, and that being said, I don't want to say I'm a complete badass because when you really look at everybody's life, you know, you know, if you have, you know, you're not m- mentally unstable and you have a life, like you can always get, now you're going to have to check your ego, but you can always get some sort of job that is going to sustain you. You know what I mean? You're not going to be busting on the streets. Like, yeah, do, do I want to wait at Carlos O'Kelly's, one of the jobs I had for the rest of my life? No. But would it pay me a decent live? And when I ratchet down my lifestyle, yes, you know. And so, realizing that I could check my ego and work, you know, I could be a garbage man. They got they got a good they got a good contract. You know what I mean? They got they got a union. You know, it's like, I, you know, it's like I, once I check my ego and realize there there were, um, and I guess that's secondary, like the delusional belief that. That's like an egomaniac belief, a delusional belief that I can make it, but also the ability that I could check my ego and realize that if I failed, I will do whatever. You know what I mean? And I will have a, I'll have a, I'll have a, a different life, but I will have an okay life and it'll be okay. I will at least have that adventure, you know, of trying. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Perkins. I have truly and honestly enjoyed our interview today. Yeah. I would love for you to let our audience know first where they can find your book and then how can they follow you? <laughs> where can they find your book and how can they follow you? Okay, so you can find my book, uh, Die With Zero, on any of the retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, the independent bookstores. It comes out July 28th. You can pre-order now, so let's not wait. Uh, or you can go to the website, diewithzerobook.com. That's diewithzerobook.com. If you want to follow me and chop it up in the streets, I'm in the Twitter streets quite often. My handle is at BP22. That's B as in boy, P as in Peter, the number 22. Uh, And you can follow me on Instagram. I'm Bill Perkins. Just type in Bill Perkins. I'll pop up. Awesome. Well, Mr. Perkins, again, thank you so much for an amazing day today. Audience, go follow, go purchase. Thank you all so much for listening to us today and on The Secret to Success. I'm not sure if you already know this, but you're already absolutely perfect. You're already absolutely great. And you're already living in massive abundance. The most important things that you have is not what you have. It's not what you do. It's what you know. 
because the people who do know what you need to know to leave the middle class, they're in the top 1%, and they control 96% of the world's income. 97% of this world is trading time for money, and that is not the way to become rich, it's not the way to become wealthy, and it is absolutely not the way to leave the middle class. There are 7.8 billion people in the world right now, and they all wanna learn how to make money and how to leave the middle class. But the way to become a master at anything is to learn all the rules and then bend them to your favor. Right now in this world, there are 2,057 billionaires, right now. So if you think becoming a billionaire is, a, is impossible, that's 2,057 people that have already proved that impossibility incorrect. And if you think that's crazy, there are 46.8 million millionaires in the world, worldwide right now. Now think about that. 46.8 million millionaires, and that number grows 1,730 millionaires every single day. Money is everywhere. You don't need to max out your credit cards. You don't need to borrow from granddad and grandma. Just look behind me. Look at all the wealth sitting behind me in this junkyard. It's insane how much money is everywhere, and you don't need to go out there and beg, bar, and steal to get it. You just need to know the rules of making money and how to leave the middle class. Essentially, all you need to know is the algorithm of making money, the rules of making money. All you need to know is what to do and how to do it, and you can leave the middle class. Any industry, yoga, golf, underwater basket weaving, clipping fingernails, it doesn't matter. All you have to do is know how to do it, how to get it done, and then find somebody to teach you how to do it, how to get it done, and you will be able to leave the middle class. If you're not getting my point, it's real simple. Whatever you have up here, as long as you understand the rules of leaving the middle class, as long as you understand how to get money, you can take what's up here and get wealthy from what you already have. Right now, the very thing you know up here is already being searched a thousand times a second on Google. Someone right now, actually 1,730 people right now, are gonna become a millionaire from the stuff that you have in your head. Why can't this be you? I mean, it's 1,730 people with your ideas that are no better than you, that are gonna leave the middle class, become a millionaire. Why are you not next? So how do we do this? How do we take what you know and apply it to objective money-making secrets and then allow you to leave the middle class? How do we take you from where you are and let you escape to where you wanna go? So how do we make all this money or take all this knowledge from the Warren Buffers, from Elon Musk, how do we take everything that everyone before you has done and how do we take all of that and then put it in your head so you can leave a legacy for your family? My name is Antonio T. Smith Jr. 32 years ago, I lived in a trash can. That's right, from six to 14, I had no running water, no electricity, no anything, and somehow I'm in the top 1% today not because I had the right background, not because I had a silver spoon in my mouth, simply because being homeless made me learn how to make money. I retired when I was 29 years old. I'm more than likely younger than you. I'm one of the top 1% income earners in one of the richest countries in the world. What I learned how to do when I was six years old was learn how to generate enough money to eat some cookies so I wouldn't die to death from starvation. From there, I learned how to go from cookies to a meal from a meal to clothes, to clothes, 
to shelter, to everything else that supplied my necessary needs. When I was six, I was forced to learn how to make money. And now that's what I'm gonna do and help you do. I've seen amazing results. I have my own economy. I've homeschooled my own children. And I wrote a book that teaches you every single thing that I know about making money, every single thing that other people know about making money, and most importantly, all the stuff that we don't tell you. Because the truth is, and you know it like I know it, the most honest, the most hardworking, unselfish people on planet Earth live in the middle class. Yet, your honesty, your unselfishness, your devout religion going self is not enough to get to the top 1% and that's not fair. The second half of my life has been not about how much money I make, but how I will be remembered from all the money that I have made. And I've been trying to teach everybody how to get out the middle class. I'm the crazy guy famous on the internet for trying to create 100,000 millionaires. I've created eight so far. I got a ninth one on the way, all the way from India. That's pretty cool. And what I want to tell you is something very simple. It's been hard. It's been absolutely hard to help people leave the middle class, not because of the people, because the system would rather keep you being someone else's money instead of you having your own economy and having the money come find and flow to you. It was frustrating because I knew that anybody can make money. And if you knew what I knew, you would change your life. Over the last few years, I built a large following of over half a million people every month that pay me to actually for me to give them advice. Well, that's been exciting for me. And the cool thing is I've created thousands of six-figure earners. I've created millionaires. I've created people who can live their dreams and hold on to their legacies. And now my eyes are on you to create you to what you need to be great. I have been teaching my principles and these principles to hundreds of thousands of people around the world, every country, all continents, and anyone who has taken them seriously, written them down and applied them, have a 100% success rate of leaving the middle class. I've taught these secrets to my following and my inner network, and I've watched them go from four figures to five figures, five figures to six figures, seven figures all the way to eight. Everything that I've ever learned, everything I've ever learned from millionaire mentors, billionaire mentors, and everything I learned from being homeless, and everything that got me into the top 1%, I have placed inside of a book. To date, it is the longest book that I've ever written, the most best book that I've ever written, and that book is called The Richest Man and the Trash Can, and I'm offering it to you today for free. This book is gonna show you how to become wealthy into the top 1% and leave the middle class. This book is gonna give you a step-by-step -step plan if you're 30 years old, all the way to 70 years old, how to get into the top 1%. If you're a teenager, how to get to the top 1%. If you're a millennial, how to get to the top 1%. It's gonna teach you how to make six figures immediately, teach you how to get to a million dollars immediately, and all that good stuff. Plus, I'm gonna give you the 36 objective laws of leaving the middle class. Plus, I'm gonna give you every last one of my secrets that have made me rich. You have to understand that leaving the middle class is the most important fight that you're gonna have in your life. And to be honest with you, it, you can kind of relate to this. It almost takes $450,000 a year just to be broke in America. And that's just in America. If you don't leave the middle class, which is actually an illusion, then you are gonna have a really hard time. 
think about it for a second. Some of, most of you are gonna be watching this are gonna be baby boomers and you've been sold a bad check. They lied to you. Your retirement was not enough for you to live comfortable and I'm gonna give you this book for free so you can figure out how to triple your retirement and then quadruple your retirement and then as Grant Cardone would say, 10X your retirement so you can live the life that's worthy of you. I want you to remember that leaving the middle class is the most important battle that you could ever face in your entire life, especially for your family. So consider this video, this book, your friendly tap on the shoulder. I wanna send you a free copy of this book because I believe that abundance is your birthright. I believe that abundance is freedom. And I believe that this book is right for you. In fact, I believe in that so much that I will send you the book for free. All you have to do is cover the cost of shipping. I'll eat the cost, I'll take the loss, and all you have to do is get the book and dominate your reality right now and apply the principles so you can be the best person for your life that is yours. Fill out the form sitting right there to the right. Go ahead, dominate your reality. I can't wait to send you my book. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to have you as someone that's been on the journey with me. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plan better. You can dominate. When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions hear me well 48 job positions 22 dollars an hour paid training and i couldn't find someone not one person for those job positions now is it because i hire slowly true but it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter, and that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there? And that's why you need ZipRecruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that ZipRecruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that ZipRecruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate and if the if it's if they can't find a perfect candidate they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools which is the technology itself to match the right candidates up with your job you can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates 
and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out, uh, review, and rate candidates. Four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter. It is a blessing. And no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about? Well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. All spelled the regular way. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. And I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. It's also in the show notes.